Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. It's me, John Burke. Not sounding quite like myself, um, but I'm here with my good friend from across the pond, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how you doing, sir? I am doing very well. I'm I'm full of pomp and ceremony for this week's show. Um, yeah, just uh, just trying to kind of dodge the wave of coronavirus-based news in the UK because none of it's good. Um uh-huh getting used to working from home, uh, getting used to uh, the 2022 slate of movies and also getting used to saying 2022. So happy new year, everyone. I'm not sure if we did a new year show yet, but happy new year. Uh, but that aside though, I'm uh, I'm well, I'm in fairly fine health and I can't really complain about too much. Uh, sir, how are you, Smith uh, Scratchy? I am recovering from COVID. I, I uh, dodged the, the virus like Neo uh, for two <laughs> years, and then it finally caught me um, two days Damn. back into the school year uh, during the Omicron surge. I, I was very lucky. It's been a mild cold. Um, I am, I'm actually following the CDC protocol back at work uh, six days after my initial symptoms arise. Um, I am masked up. I was masked up before. Uh, I am also, uh, not to air all of my business, but I am vaccinated. So I think that's why it was such a mild, uh, you know, illness. Um, I am recovering. So my voice is off. I, I will try not to cough on Mike, but you alluded Who's to Mike? it. Oh, you're uh, well, oh, you know, no. he's a good friend of mine. <laughs> he started um, already. Yep. <laughs> you alluded though, to, uh, the special nature of this episode, yes. uh, which is two things. One, this is our first episode of 2022, pardon me see it's already happening um and uh important with that is that we're going to be looking back at last year's cinema this is our awards episode our second annual bampy awards um and if you listened last year uh, we have a series of topics that we will end with our top five movies of 2021 um i'm excited to get into this with you matt how about how about you are you uh pumped up for the bampies I am extremely pumped up. I I remember doing it last year and thinking, oh, we've got to wait an entire year. And it was an absolute dumpster fire of a year. But this has come round very, very quickly. The only question for you, my friend, is you were mandated to wear your tuxedo. Please Mm. tell me you've got your tuxedo on. Well, I have my tuxedo boxers on. Um, Excellent. There is a very nice, uh, appropriate bow tie. And um, I'm wearing... Very high breakfast socks. Uh, they and <laughs> if if listener, you're not familiar with that. They are socks that depict images of breakfast foods. Um, they're quite nice. They're very comfortable. Uh, Sound nice. But uh, the, the tux I had put in for um, was actually taken uh, by Daniel Craig for the Golden Globes. And gotcha. All right. Yeah. So I couldn't. It was between them giving it to to Craig or me, and you know, of course they're going to go with Craig. He's Bond. You know, um, it's only right. He he was Bond. He can't hold that title anymore. So the name's Burke, J- John Burke, James Burke, John Burke. I'll be James. It's, it's fine. It's got a um, bit of ring to it to me. But yes, I'm glad you. I'm glad you've got some kind of tux uh, accoutrement on. Indeed, of course. Uh, I had to show up in style. I was on the red carpet um, a few <laughs> minutes before this, uh, but then I was asked to move so it could be vacuumed. And I was at the buffet a few minutes before this, and I asked me to move <laughs> because they said other people wanted to eat too. Oh, that's that's a ridiculous. No, I know. But, I know. Um, folks, we are uh, we watch a lot of movies. In fact, I think an interesting thing to do to start this is uh, how many movies of last year mm. that we actually saw. 
um, I think it's it's good to kind of reference that because um, if you're picking your top five, but you only saw 10, it's not much of a list, right? Exactly. Like, well, did you really sample all that 2021 had to offer, which was a lot of movies, um, especially compared to 2020 when so many of the movies we wanted to see got pushed back. Um, but even so, there were movies this year that we wanted to see that we missed. Um, there were movies that uh, have been pushed back again. Uh, I'm looking at you, Top Gun. Um, mm-hmm. But of last year's films, I saw, uh, I, I got a grand total here thanks to Letterboxd. Um, I saw 144 films released in 2021. That's not bad. I I have got four more, five more, sorry, to add to my list to make it 124. So pretty equal there. Overall, that's uh, best part of 300 films. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of crossover, but yes. I think basic. I think on average, your 144, my 124, we're in a fairly good position to be able to say, right, we've picked five films. It was not easy at all. And everything and all the other awards we're about to give out are based on as comprehensive of a viewing of last year's offerings as possible and it will be interesting as well at the end of this show to kind of look back and think right was that a good year you know was 2021 a very good year in film because i look at last year and i think i'm not entirely sure that was the best year of recent years so interesting to see how 2021 stacks up but that's a lot of films to be getting through though my man it is and our first category is our viewing regret. This is a movie that we wanted to see that came out in 2021, but for some reason or another, we were unable to. Sometimes it's like for Matt, they don't get all get released at the same time that they get released here in the States. Um, and sometimes like in my case, I had an opportunity to see it, but I wasn't able to go. And then it doesn't get an official release until like two weeks from now. Um, so Matt, what is your biggest viewing regret from 2021? My biggest viewing regret is one I absolutely want to remedy ASAP. Um, I actually have two, but one, but mainly one of them is because I wasn't sure if I was going to get a chance to in the last week, but I didn't last week of the year. And it's Drive My Car. I cannot wait to see Drive My Car, which is a film which is getting an awful, awful lot of award season buzz. Yes, obviously they're peaking with the Bampies, but they're getting an awful lot of award season buzz. I know John's seen it. For those who haven't seen it, uh, drive my car the synopsis an aging widowed actor seeks a chauffeur the actor turns to his go-to mechanic who ends up recommending a 20 year old girl and then it goes from there i had heard from john that it was fabulous i'd heard from others that it was it was playing it is playing in london which is only about a 20 minute train ride um overall train journey overall but i just could hadn't have a chance to get it uh, i've been under the weather as well Plus, with the Christmas period, I just didn't get a chance to see Drive My Car. Now I'm hearing everybody saying that this is it, this is sneaking very loudly into the Oscar buzz consideration. I really wish I'd had a chance to see Drive My Car. The other one I mentioned was a film called Uni. It's an Indonesian film, which I, again, heard a lot of good things about. Didn't get a chance to see that. I hope to uh, get that watched as soon as possible. But, my man drive my car was the one film from last year which i didn't get a chance to see cannot wait to see it i hope it uh hope it meets the expectations but i know you saw that i did i i will save my thoughts on it for other uh conversation but mm-hmm. um what was yours then my movie that i really want to see and i didn't get to i had a screening opportunity was unable to make it um and that's joe wright's cyrano yeah um, oh. if, 
Cyrano uh, stars Peter Dinklage, uh, Haley Bennett, and um, Kelvin Harrison Jr. Um, the, it's a musical of the classic story Cyrano, uh, which right away I'm like, interesting, it's a musical. Um, I've been a big fan of Haley Bennett, everything I've seen her in, I think she's fantastic. Uh, Peter Dinklage, I am a fan. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to see how he, he runs this role, especially the singing. Uh, the trailer looks phenomenal. Um, I actually might get to see it this week, and I'm, I'm still, I haven't heard confirmation, but I'm hoping I'm going to get an opportunity to finally see it, because when it does come out, it's going to get a small theatrical run, and it probably won't come near me unless, um, unless it gets a lot of Oscar buzz. But it's well, definitely uh, one of those movies Peter that Dinklage could. is getting a lot of Oscar buzz. <clears throat> yeah, and from what I heard, well-deserved. So I really want to check that movie out. I was really disappointed. Um, I am a member of the, the Critics Association of Central Florida, yes, and sir. we we had our awards already, and I wasn't able to vote for Cyrano because I haven't seen it. Um, and uh, that's why one of the reasons why it's such a regret for me, because I feel like it could have made some of my list had I seen it, and I had not. So That's a perfect way of putting it, because I... Again, I, I, I'm only going by initial hype, but it seems, it, but it's similar to how Parasite was kind of running at the end, end of 2020, early 2021, where this film kind of came out of nowhere. It was getting buzzed, it was getting, and it just wouldn't stop. Drive mm-hmm. My Car seems to be on the same trajectory, and I do believe. I, I well, I, don't, I say I do believe in my in the back of my mind. I'm thinking, man, have I seen it in 2021? Could the if could this have knocked or knocked on the door of the top five, top three? number one film of the year who knows that's a man i wish i'd seen it but hey look i'm gonna i'm gonna watch it as soon as possible and i i genuinely can't wait matt what's our next category our next category john is best international film uh, of which again there was some uh, very decent offerings to choose from so john international film will be picked so for me it's drive my car um, ah! you, you just mentioned it uh i I do love a movie that is about um, the process of filmmaking. It's not specifically about filmmaking, but it is uh, acting is a heavy part of it. Um, it's so contemplative. The, the relationships are very powerful in the film. And um, there's some arresting visuals in this movie uh, that um, I was flipping through Instagram and a uh, film critic, Chris Evangelista for slash film, Yep. had just posted a, a still of from the movie and it's unless you've seen the movie there's no way you would know it's from drive my car like it's such a kind of obscure just it's two hands out of a sunroof and as soon as i saw it i knew exactly what it was because in the moment it's such a powerful image but i think outside of knowing the context it's just you know it's a nice looking picture but it's not it doesn't hold the weight that the movie does and i just felt so much while watching the movie. Um, it pulled me in. It is a long one. It's, it's around three hours, but it, it earns every minute. And, uh, I, I, it's one of those movies where I really hope it gets enough Oscar buzz that people will watch it. I don't think it will work for everyone, but I think, uh, the people that it will speak to, it speaks to very loudly and, um, it's very unforgettable. It's just making me firstly regret even more that I didn't get a chance to see it, but it's making me more excited because if there's one person whose film um, review or opinion I trust, it's it's John Burke. So I'm hoping to watch it and then say, right, okay, had this had I watched this in 2021, this would be straight up the top there, my friend. So uh, there you go. D- d- drive my car is getting an awful lot of love in the in the opening passages of the show, dude. Yeah, for sure. What about um, you? 
I went for a film I mentioned a couple of weeks ago uh, called Lamb, the A24 film Lamb, who uh, though a film which I you know, kind of gave many adjectives to, including boring, but at the same time beautiful, uh, surreal, mundane, uh, engrossing, captivating. You know, all those, it, it, all those kind of jarring, dichotomy words, but I used them. But there was something about Lamb which, even though because we've spoken about this, the the ending is undeserved and comes out of nowhere. But the yep. film itself has stayed with me, which I, I always thought it would do because when I first watched it, all of those words came to mind. And I was like, "This is this is this is a surreal experience." But with A twenty four, a lot of the time is the films will kind of linger, and they certainly do with me. If it's if it's made an impression, it will linger, and I'll think about it, and I'll find myself thinking about the film, not necessarily the ending of the film, but just more about the 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 themes within the film, and I think it's a wonderfully directed film i think numi rapace is fabulous in the lead role and but the more i think about it it's kind of quiet beauty that just absolutely penetrates the entire film it, it slipped under the radar i think for a lot of people i don't think many people will have this in their top 10 of the year some some may i can't imagine it crashing into too many but it's something about it, it kind of got its hooks in and now i and now i think about it an awful lot it's a beautiful looking film. It's a very well acted film. It's fairly punchy. It's not very long. And the director really does a good job of moving the story along, despite the fact that a lot of it is just scenes of family life, familial life with a kind of mutant hybrid animal twist to it as well. But um, yeah, the ending kind of comes out of nowhere. And I know John thought the same, but I did watch the ending and think, hmm, right, well, that was... That was odd. I'm not entirely sure what I think about that, but the rest of the film, though, dude, big big fan. I think it's a very good film. Yeah, I I didn't dislike Lamb. Um, there is definitely it. It didn't go away. Um, I I just saw so many uh, international films this year. Um, I think at one point it was on five. I, I keep forgetting I saw Benedetta because I didn't log that I saw Benedetta mm-hmm. because I didn't want to to have to address with my students, what movie that was. Um, and a lot of students follow me on letterbox. So I didn't like log it. So whenever I kept checking the movies that I viewed, it doesn't show that I watched Benedetta. So like my brain just kept forgetting that I saw it. And that, that movie is hard to like not put high up on the list because it's like just so much. Um, it definitely had a bigger impact than lamb, but lamb did have an impact. So mm-hmm. uh, totally worth the, the mention. Benedetta is a film which is a 2022 UK release, and I'm I've got a month or two to wait, but looking forward to seeing that. So I'd like we're we're not going to do honorable mentions for most of these, but real quick honorable mention for international film, um, Petit Maman, I think is how oh, you say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Petit um, it is the new film from the director of Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, I, I it's not it's not going to have a big theatrical run, is my understanding. Like it had like a one week window here in the states to qualify for stuff. Um, but I, I had a screener through neon and I, I was really floored by that movie. Like it, it hit hard. I really, really liked it. Don't look up anything about that movie. If you get a chance to see it, uh, watch it, but it's, it was, it's a contender for my favorite international drive. My car just was a little more, but mm-hmm. Petit Manon, Maman, I, I don't speak French, unfortunately. Good, um, good, good, um, accent, good interpretation. Are you getting better at this? I'm trying, you know, it's, I, I, I've, I've branched out a bit to the international world. Yeah. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about Petit Mama. And for you, sir, 
uh, you branched out into our next category a little bit, which is best documentary, something that you don't spend enough time watching. Uh, I'm not the best at, but I've gotten better at, I, I, I think I saw like 15 to 20 docs last year. So a little bit bigger pool to pull from than I often have. What is your best documentary of 2021? Uh, my favorite documentary of 2021 my best documentary again like john said i don't watch an awful lot usually it has to be either something which i am into like a hobby or a interest of mine or the premise has to be there for me and i the my, the best documentary for me was a documentary called attica which uh, i'm not sure if you've heard of or not it was directed by stanley nelson jr and basically it's uh set in, it's not set it's it tells a story of uh, the Attica Correctional Facility, the prison. Uh, way back in 1971, the inmates and the guards, they are, as you can imagine, not getting on too well. And it uh, culminated in the biggest riot, uh, or one of the biggest riots in the history of your nation, John. And it was just a really, really well-made documentary. The people they pulled in to, uh, to participate, including the people who are actually, some of the inmates who were there during the riots, some of their families and you know they get really deep into what happened and the the, the institutional uh, disease that has just infiltrated that system and the governor and uh, how the the politicians decided to end the riot basically you know it's it's uh. it's a very heavy um documentary and it if you needed your eyes open to the failures of the prison system, and let's not forget uh, the UK probably isn't any better or most other countries, but if you needed the reminder of the failings of the prison system, certainly in the States, then um, Attica will give you an absolutely eye-opening experience. Really, really hard-hitting. And the way that it's structured, the way it's presented, was really, really well done as well. It wasn't just, here's a few people being interviewed. You know, they really, really go into detail and they get the right people to talk about the right things. And Attica, my friend, I was, uh, I was, t- I like those, I like documentaries or stories about uh, stuff like, things like that. As awful as it sounds, I like, you know, the biggest prison riot in the United States, not just anyone, but, you know, the biggest one. I like reading about the world's most dangerous prisons and all that kind of thing. I don't know what it is. It's kind of more, like some people like true crime docs and serial killers. I like the kind of, you know the world's worst or the world's most dangerous type of things. Mm. But Attica, my friend, was a was a really, really, really uh, good, sad, heavy look at the institutional problems behind the scenes. Obviously, there's a race. There's a lot of racism elements in there as well. Things in there which will get to you, but as a documentary, fabulously constructed. Yeah, um, I, that's one I didn't see. Um, my favorite documentary from this year, which I saw a lot. And there were several really, really good ones that have left major impressions on me. But the one that I think kind of, I didn't know was coming out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it. And um, I think, I think it was Sundance that I, I bought a, a virtual ticket to watch the, not just the movie, but the Q and a with my favorite director. Um, I say with a question mark now, because okay. I don't love everything now. I like, I like everything. But this documentary really worked for me, and it's uh, The Sparks Brothers, directed by Edgar Wright. Um, I knew nothing about The Sparks. Like, literally had never heard of them. I've heard of and them. I, I had not. I, I knew nothing. And I only knew this existed because, as per usual, Big Tuna was like, hey, do you know that Edgar Wright has a documentary at uh, Sundance? And I was like, what now? 
Um, and so the idea of Edgar Wright doing a documentary was like, what? That's awesome. Let's, let's, let's check it out. Um, I love the look of this. I love the story. I love the, uh, amount of information and the, the reverence for the band. Um, I will say I, I was so hyped about this documentary. I was like a me, like, Oh, I'm going to listen to all their music. found out real quick. Don't like the music outside of the movie very much. Um, <laughs> it's not, to, not, a, it's just not my style of music, but I appreciate what they did. And I really love the documentary. Um, it's one of the few documentaries I immediately bought uh, when it came out. Uh, I did buy partly because there is like a, uh, I think it's an hour or two hour concert video that comes with the, uh, the, the digital um, or you can get it on Blu-ray, but I did buy it digital. Um, but I was, uh, I'm, I really, really enjoyed this. There were several other docs that I, I was competing, but I, if I'm being true to myself, this one just really worked for me. It stuck with me. I, I and I want people to know about it. I feel like this is one that didn't get, it's not going to get a lot of um, award season buzz. Um, Cause it's just not that kind of documentary. You know, it's just, it's really well made. It's really well structured, but it's not groundbreaking. It's not going to change anybody's worldview. But if you are a big fan of music and you don't know who they are, I think you'll be surprised at the amount of influence this band has had. Like I was, yeah. because I'd never heard of them. And yet bands that I adore, you know, attribute a lot to this group. Um, and there are like some crossover stuff where I'm like, man, I really should have known who they were. Like, I can't believe I just always under my radar. Um, and that is, it's, I think it's on Netflix now too. So listener, if you haven't seen the Sparks Brothers, uh, I'm pretty sure you can watch it for free with your Netflix description. Uh, yeah, it's over here as well in the United Kingdom on Netflix. <laughs> and, uh, the Sparks Brothers, uh, they contributed to music to Annette, the film that came out in 2021 as well. Adam Driver, Marion, oh, the right. film. So I they had a, suddenly came out, I say came out of nowhere, but I imagine a lot of, uh, they got an awful lot of additional streams on Spotify this year and a few more fans. But I, I agree with you. They're, they're an acquired taste, and they're, but their influence is, is, is far and wide reaching. And, you know, Annette, uh, I I don't know if I, I may mention that later on, but yeah, they they did the entire uh, soundtrack to that film, so uh, they had a pretty good year for the Sparks Brothers, my friend. Indeed, yeah, uh, definitely a lot more people are aware of who they are now, thanks to uh, again partly because Edgar Wright. Yep, exactly. So that that wouldn't have hurt whatsoever. But um, hey, well, let's, moving on to the next one, my friend, best animated feature which is uh usually uh, a fun category to watch because as we know animation since it since the oscars certainly allowed it to have its own category the quality of animation for the generally year on year for me is as good as any of the best picture winners some of the best animation the story they say the stories they can tell the characters they can give us sometimes i think animation is a overlooked category because some of the best films of the year can come from this category so john your best animated feature for the year. I will say um, this is a hard one because there were mm-hmm. some really good animated movies that came out this year. Uh, I love several. Um, I, in fact, I love the one that you're going to mention here in a second, but mm-hmm. I uh, went with flea um, F L E E. This is this a one. documentary. Um, and that's <laughs> one of the things that's really cool about it. It is an animated documentary. Um, it, it debuted at Sundance. Um, it has gotten a big push. Uh, I had a screener access to it, and um, it, it will be available to watch, I think, on Hulu at some point. But um, the the film uh, is the story of a man, um, well, a boy, technically, but it is a man telling his childhood story. Um, and I'll read, uh, a man 
arrived in an un- un- as an unaccompanied minor in Denmark from Afghanistan. Today, at age 36, he is a successful academic and is getting married to his longtime boyfriend. A secret he has been hiding for 20 years threatens to ruin the life he has built for himself. For the first time, he is sharing his story with his close friend. And to kind of keep his identity hidden, they animated um, the story. But not just to keep his identity hidden, because they didn't have footage of a lot of the story that he is telling. So he is telling the story of him leaving Afghanistan, coming to Denmark, how it all happened, all of the things he went through. And so they've animated it, but they also, they animate the interview process too. So like when it is present day, him talking to the filmmaker, um, he is animated and it's, it's the animation is very cool. Um, It's such a moving story. Uh, It's a very impactful one. Um, It's one of those documentaries where uh, it actually very much shares. If you've ever seen Persepolis, um, it's, it feels like of cut from the same cloth, a similar Mm -hmm. type of story of, um, you know, uh, leaving your family, trying to find your place in the world, but also dealing with a lot of craziness around where you live and where you're growing up. Um, um, if you get a chance to see Flea, I highly recommend it. It, it, I kind of was able to, I I was able to have the Sparks brothers as best documentary because I could put Flea as best animated and not (laughs) feel guilty about it. So, um, Flea, uh, definitely worth everyone's time. Is it widely available? Do you know? Not yet. It, it should be though. Okay, because I haven't heard of it, so um, I'll be interested to check it out now based on everything you've just said. So um, yeah, it did flee, get um, FOWE. It's it's been picked up by Neon here in the states, so it is getting distribution. Um, Sweet. I, I would imagine it'll end up on some streaming services uh, sooner than later. Yep, so keep your eye out for Flea, everybody. Um, and uh, like John said, John um, he likes my choice. I like my choice as well. I didn't think I would when we first said we we're going to talk about it on the show way back when it came out in April. And it is uh, a Netflix film. Uh, well, it's on Netflix. It was the Mitchells versus the machine is my number one, my best animated feature of 2021. And as I just alluded to when April rolled around last year and we were kind of in that lull period, we, we said it many times on the show that, you know, there's no films being released theatrically. We're going to have to watch whatever streaming gives us. The Mitchells versus a Machine was pretty much the only film out that week. And I remember it was kind of, okay, we'll watch this film. I probably wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't for the BAMP, or at least at the time it came out. Um, and I wasn't, you know, it's one of those films, I think I'll watch it. It's probably going to be throwaway. It's probably not going to be that great. And, oh, God damn, it had no right to be as good as it did, I think. And I think a lot of people were taken back by just how much fun but not just that but how how emotionally solid this film was as well michael rianda directed it uh, uh phil lord chris miller they produced it but this film snuck out of nowhere and ended up being one of my uh, one of the one of my favorite viewings of the year for that reason because i had no expectations going into it whatsoever and i came out absolutely Loving it. And it's got a, it's got a great cast as well with Danny McBride, Olivia Coleman. Uh, you've got Maya Rudolph in there, Eric Andre pro- providing voices amongst many others. So it's yeah. backed up by, you know, there's the backed up by the talent, but it was so much fun and it was really emotional film. The animation yep. style was bonkers good as well. It's unconventional compared to some other studios, but I think it worked so well. The humor was good. You are really, you, you really like latch on to, 
to the Mitchells, like young, like Katie Mitchell, and you really latch onto this family. You want them to succeed. You don't want anything bad to happen to them. You want them to um, to beat the machines, to beat the evil electronic devices which have taken over our world. Uh, you may you may imagine think there's a theme there or a message because there is, and the film has got messages and spades, but they work. I did not think I was going to enjoy this film because I had my Netflix uh, blinkers on, thinking it's probably not going to be great. Oh, I was just in a bad mood that week. I thought, oh, okay, I'll watch it. So glad I did, my friend, because it's uh, my best animated feature of the year. If anyone is sleeping on um, the Mitchells versus the Machines, check it out. It'd be well worth your time, and I hope you're as surprised as I am with it, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I did, um, and I also... It's one of those movies that... Uh, um, it It deals with a person who loves movies and that always works for me because I relate to that character so, so much. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it was really, really good. In fact, um, it won, uh, at the CACF, um, uh, our awards and yes, uh, they threw our, their, that win on their poster that they've been promoting on, yeah. on IG. Uh, they've got a lot of critic, uh, wins actually. And we're just one of them. No, and it's um, it's on the shortlist for the Oscars for Best Animated Features, and of course their nominations will be uh, out in a few weeks' time now. But uh, yeah, we've got a shout-out to the CACF. They're making great strides, making great waves. So John and all the team, Big Tune and everyone behind that, doing a hell of a job. And yeah, John sent it to me the other day. He sent me the poster for the Mitchells vs. the Machines, and I thought, and I remember saying, you know, wow, that's cool. Or like, you know, that's a hell of a lot of awards, or whatever. I can't remember what I said now. It was relative. And then... Uh, I think John w- woke up because he might have been sleeping, and and he highlighted the CA that the CACF were on there. I was like, "Damn, mm-hmm. that's awesome!" Especially given it's your first year of being yeah. out there. It's you know what a hell of a job that everybody's done. So, um, for uh, yep. I, I can't join, of course, as much as right. I'd love to because uh, I haven't got my Floridian ID anymore. But wonderful nope. job, guys! But that leads us uh, into other things that look pretty good, which is, this is our category we call best looking, but we mean best cinematography um, on a motion picture on the big screen. These images can be arresting. They can take our breath away. Matt, what movie or movies did that for you this year? Well, I saw best looking and it's underneath it says Matt and John. I was like, I'm not going to argue with that. But then I realized we had to put our selections in. Right. John used the plural there because up until about 15 seconds ago, I could not split my, I could not split these two films and what was the best looking because, as you said, visually arresting for different reasons. Now, I'll save one of the films and you'll find out why in a minute. I have made a decision. The best looking film of the year for me for by a hair's breadth is Dune. I really think... Uh, so I've gone for Dune. I think that film is an absolute marvel of a film to look at. It's a, It's the scope... The scale, the beauty, uh, the artistic uh, merits of every single shot. It's not just let's point a camera at the sand and everyone can go, oh, look how vast this sandy um, tundra is. No, it's it's so much more than that. It's Greg Fraser is the cinematographer. He was also the cinematographer, cinematographer for Rogue One, amongst other things, Vice as well, yeah. Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, he's been about a bit. He knows how to shoot. He knows how to set up a camera and shoot. Uh, I don't know how many superlatives I can say about how good Dune looks, but it's not even. But it's not just the wide, vast expanse shots um, of Arrakis. 
it's it's when they it's when they are in the interior shots. You know the way that Greg Fraser, alongside uh, Villeneuve as well, manages to manages to just create this alluring world is is something that is, is superb. When I when I saw it, I watched it. I went to see it courtesy of Warner at, at Warner Brothers London. Uh, the seats were the most comfortable seats I've ever sat in. So thanks for that. But um, and again, I, I had Mark Camo just in front of me, and I got to speak to him about The Exorcist afterwards. But um, oh. it was just watching it, I was just absolutely sucked in. I was actually blown away. I think it, pretty much most frames in that film look amazing. They managed to capture the scale of that world, that universe, perfectly, and give us something which was an absolute f- joy to watch an absolute feast for the eyes on what could have been a, uh, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, what could have been a fairly bland film to look at if it had been wrong because of mm. the vastness of it. It could have been like, if I hadn't got it right, it, you know, may may not have been as visually uh, attractive, but Greg Fraser, Denis Villeneuve, they got it right. Dune was my best looking film of the year. There was another, but John, what was your best looking well, film of the year? I can't argue. I, I think Dune is a great choice. I went with the green Knight. Um, <laughs> uh, the green Knight is much like Dune. It's this, you know, fantasy world instead of sci-fi, but, uh, it, it is this kind of otherworldly. Um, I, I know it's technically not fantasy, right? Like it's, it's Arthurian lore, but the world that he is in doesn't look like our world in many instances, right? Like there's the, the scene with the giants walking that was in the trailer um, the, the visuals are arresting. Uh, we get these big landscapes and then, um, when we don't, when we're in tight, when we're in close, it feels so intimate and personal. It's just, I remember watching this and just not always understanding what was going on. Um, and not, not a hundred percent always feeling if I like, am I, am I into this or am I not into this? I can't, I want to be, I feel like maybe it's over my head. I don't know. But I never once questioned the look of it. I was always sucked mm-hmm. into the world, and I think the cinematography does so much for that. Um, at the end of the day, I do. I was in it, and I, I do love this movie. But uh, the the visuals have stayed with me. I think more than anything else. I just thought this movie looked gorgeous, um, and why it gets best looking. It was that was the other film on my list. I could yeah. not pick between Dune and, or The Green Knight, and like you said, there, there's different reasons for that. <clears throat> the Green Knight is a totally different looking and feeling yeah. film, but it's something. There's something. It's like a fever dream watching that film. I think. It, yes, that is a great. Ex- yeah, and I forgot to uh, name drop. The cinematographer is Andrew Draws Palermo. Um, mm. I don't know. I'm assuming it's Draws. Maybe Droz, Droz. D R O Z. Go for go for Droz here. But, uh, yeah, name drop him. Um, he's worked with, uh, David Lowry on, uh, a ghost story, which I also love the cinematography in that movie. So no, uh, it was, I could it literally, it, just as you were announcing the, um, the categories, I write, I, I now know it is Dune because that's the one I think about more in terms of just how much it affected me when I watched it, but only just because I was the green, I like you. I actually think the green light was magnificent, but the visuals, yeah, it was like, it was just like it was like it was like David Lowry pumped something through the vents of the cinema. So when you're watching it, you're kind of like in, like I say, a fever dream. You're in this haze watching it, taken in by these incredible, colourful, vividly colourful, but at the same time very subtle 
um, images on screen because throughout the colors change depending on what's happening on screen. The entire palette does. And I think it's so well done, but I just couldn't look past Dune, but it was, oh, it was a hair's breadth, my friend. So uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. two very good looking films there, my friends. Now um, they made us feel good watching those films. We felt good watching those films, certainly by because of how they looked. So now we're going to move on to a category, which we have titled the most feel bad, mm. not necessarily a film that we came out and and we thought, Oh, that, that sucked. We hated it. I feel bad because of it. Not necessarily the films that we came out and, you know, it affected us in a way yeah. which we couldn't give a, th- a positive a connotation to. You've heard of feel good. This is the opposite to that. You may not have understood that, but um, John, out of 2021 what was the film that made what was your most feel bad film so and i want to clarify my movie is one that i love and i think Mm -hmm. every teacher should definitely watch and i think every parent should watch um but it is one that you will not feel good Mm -hmm. at the end of uh it is impossible to feel good um because it is such an emotional ride uh and that film is mass m-a-s-s everybody um I didn't know anything about this movie um, when I went in uh, and I especially didn't recognize the writer and director's name, uh, Fran Kranz. Now this is the debut for this director, but if you've seen the cabin in the woods, uh, you've seen Fran Kranz. He was the stoner character in cabin in the woods. Yes. Um, And uh, you would never expect that guy to have written this movie. Um, 90% of this film is four actors in a room having a very serious conversation. Um, Reed, Bernie and Dowd, Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton are those four actors and they give arguably the best performances of the year Um, for the CACF. They did this movie. I believe I I don't want to misquote, but I'm pretty sure this movie won uh, ensemble. Um, And, is because all four actors are at the top of their game. They're giving such performances. They are asked to do so much emotional uh, weight. And this movie, it is impossible to watch it and not cry. It is impossible not to self-reflect. It is impossible not to be um, in it and just engrossed in it. And so again, excellent movie. I think mass is worth everybody's time, but you will not feel good uh, <laughs> at the end of it. You will feel bad or at least sad which i associate as a bad feeling right like sadness yeah. not a good thing i don't want to be sad i think it's For okay the most to be part, sad yeah you can feel yeah, sad so. because something profound has happened but yes. mostly you it's not something you'd think is a feel good emotion exactly and that's why mass is my pick um Man. i think your mm. pick might be a combination of two things i think it might be what i just said but also maybe <laughs> uh the overall experience it may be, but Mass is a film which that, that could have actually been the viewing regret. But I don't actually know. To be fair, that that comes out in a few days' time in the in the United Kingdom. I think it's a 2022 release. Uh, again, inexplicably, uh, like a month or month and a half after you guys. But um, Mass was yours. Mine was oh, Julia Ducournau's Titan, which is uh, I I know exactly with the two reasons you're you're saying. One of the reasons is that I just think Titan was disappointing to say the least in fact i really did not like it on at all as a film i thought it was uh dreadful coming from somebody who loved raw uh, the director's original film but but titan in itself it, as in terms of a film i i came out feeling like 
dirty. I came out feeling like what I just watched wasn't a pleasant viewing because, I mean, it, 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 there's, there's lots of heavy themes within the film, which kind of cover up the fact that there isn't a story, but it is just a, it's a, it's a grubby looking film, but there are things that happen, which will make you, uh, will make you feel things in your stomach and not good things. They'll, they are there designed to test you. I call it in my review. I think I called it a fortitude test at times because I think a lot of the stuff that happens for me was nothing more than just a director saying, right, how can I top the reactions I got from my film raw? Let's, let's go one step further and have this kind of like body horror, uh, in it. So it wasn't a film that I enjoyed watching from that level either. It made me feel dirty watching it. I didn't get any kind of sense of positivity or hope coming from it. Uh, a film doesn't have to have that to be feel good necessarily, but mixed in with the visuals, with, uh, the characters and like I said, the actual visual dynamics and setting. Titan just left me feeling very grubby coming out and not feeling very good whatsoever. And then on top of that, the fact that I thought it was awful didn't help. But Titan, yeah, it, it was the film that I came out. It, it hit me the most as a no. I ugh, I need to go home and have a shower. I think. Yeah, uh, I, I that it was not an easy movie to watch. I definitely did not feel good afterwards. Mm-hmm. I liked it a little more than you, but still, yeah, um, <laughs> not much. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that for sure. That wasn't, yeah, it's not one I'm ever going to revisit. So um, I just wish there was something out there that could make me feel better, John. Well, the yin to the yang, we must talk about movies that made us feel the best. These is our most feel good movies of 2021. So Matt, uh, cleanse that palette. What movie made you feel good last year? God for that. I get to talk about a film, which is actually really good. A film I hadn't heard of until I went to watch it. Uh, and a film that, I'm so glad other people now seem to be jumping on as well. It's an Apple T an Apple original film, Apple TV plus called CODA, um, which is uh, CODA is an acronym for child of deaf adults, which I had no idea about. And mm-hmm. the film deals with a, uh, a young girl played by Amelia Jones, who is out of this world. Good out of this world. Good. And she can, she is, she is fully able to hear, she, but she lives with a, a deaf family and she wants to be a musician. So she's kind of having, so Coda has two meanings in this sense, more than one meaning. So she, and it's a coming of age story. She's in school. She's, you know, finding out what fun she's, she's, she wants to know what love is. There's a song there. Um, she wants to be a musician and also care for her family as well. It's a really, really emotional story. Firstly, it's a great coming-of-age story. It's packed with great performances. And I'm not talking about necessarily, but Emilia Jones is bonkers good. Eugenio Derbez as the teacher is really very good. Um, and Marley Matlin and Troy Kurtzer as the parents are fabulous in this, um, which does help if you can bond with the characters on screen. But I just found this to be so emotionally satisfying, especially when we get to the end and uh, what, what happens at the end. It's so perfectly you execute it at the end uh what how how they deliver what could otherwise be a fairly contrived or cliche ending the way they deliver it was so powerful and it is and when you you get so into this into the characters and especially a amelia jones's character that uh, her character called ruby that it's just like an outpour an explosion of emotion when you get to the end and you just it's a fist pump moment it's a fist pump moment. It's a fa- it's a fabulous win as well for the deaf community. The the deaf community, the way they are portrayed here, um, has it's got a lot of praise from those in the community. 
Um, yeah, and it is. It's a coming of age story, so you probably know the beats when you go along, but the way they are done, the way they are pulled off, and the way that they just get just the emotion in this is so satisfying when we get to that end. I came out, I remember watching it with a, uh, as I came out, I watched it on my television and I just felt positive. Like, you know, may, maybe this world isn't quite so bad after all. I felt happy. I had a big smile on my face and, uh, and to boot the fact that Coda is a damn fine film as well really helped. Uh, Sean Hedder directed it, but my friend Coda was the film that made me feel the best this year. I think it's a very good choice. Um, what about you, I sir? Would not, I would not have expected mine to be uh sing too um at all i i never would have uh in fact i had no plans of seeing sing too um <laughs> and the opportunity came i had a screener and i was like you know what i might as well watch sing and then i'll check out sing too and i ended up falling in love with both movies um i like the first one more but the second one it, it so much about it the the music obviously is a big thing for me i love that all of these characters lives are forever changed by performance and music it's not just music which i really think uh i almost think the name is a little misleading because it is a little more than just a singing competition right like yes. it is a bit more than that it, there is a performance element they're doing like musical theater and the uh the relationships and i think the character development um, this cast is ridiculous. I mean, like just looking through the lineup, the superstars. Yeah. Um, I was really into sing too. I was pleasantly surprised. And when I'm looking back at this and I'm like, what made me feel good? I, there's nothing about sing or sing too, that ever doesn't just make me hopeful and optimistic. Even when the characters are at their, their struggles and it looks like there's no way they can overcome. There's just this, optimism that pours out of this movie that i really needed um this year like you know the year's been up and down uh movies like this can really win you over and uh, an animated movie often makes me feel good um you know there's there's a lot of movies that i could put here because there were a lot of movies that definitely spoke to me same and i do i try to uh diversify these awards so that i get to talk about more of them um but i i have no problem putting sing on this on this spot because sing too uh because it just does it. It just, it, it's all the upbeat, up-tempo, good music too. There's some really fun uh, renditions of songs and stuff in this that I thought were great. I'm looking forward to watching it in a couple of weeks over here when it comes out. And I hear what you mean though, because there were a few films when I was, re- when I mentioned, when I ended off my, my talk about Coda, about feeling good. There's a few films that made me feel really good coming out. You know, I've got, I've got a high from watching them, but that, that was for differing reasons. That's because I went in you know, hoping to see something and they did. Whereas Coda, just, you know, it's one of those films. It's, it took me by surprise and it just worked. And it's funny what you meant that you put sing Two as your most feel good because, uh, and you say, and you said, you know, no real plans to watch it similar to myself with Mitchell versus Mitchell versus machines. I probably would have watched that, but you know, podcast um, comes first. I've watched it. It's my favorite animated film of the year. Sing too. You probably weren't going to watch that, as you said. You've watched yep. it. It's now your most feel-good film. It's funny how things like that turn out, my friend. Yep. And sometimes we have uh, big expectations for something, and they don't live up to it. Uh, yes, that is entirely true. Sometimes things can be put in the disappointing category, and that is the next category that we're going for. And it's the most disappointing film of the year. Films like, like you say, we weren't in expecting good things, or at least maybe average things and came out feeling very very disappointed with john what was the most disappointing film of 2021 for you sir 
I the the bad news here is that I could have put a few movies on this list because I had a lot of hype for a few. Uh, there were some movies that I was like really really pumped up to see and then was let down by. But mm-hmm. when I really sat back and thought, which movie was I most hyped for that just did not live up to that was Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like I love Carpenter's Halloween from '78. I really like the 2018 right yep. Halloween. Yep. Um, and so I was pumped to see like what's the next step. And man, was I disappointed that they were spinning <laughs> in circles for the most part in Halloween Kills. And the steps that they do take felt weird and like kind of bad. Um, there were a few moments that I enjoyed, but I was so hyped for this movie. And by the end, I was just so, so disappointed um, with what we got. And um, yeah, I... I had been so anticipating it and then only for it to be this letdown. Um, it was easy to make my decision to make it the most disappointing movie from 2021. Um, I like you could have put a few films. I can think of three films that could have made this list. One of them is Halloween kills because I was so excited, so mm-hmm. excited because the trailer made this look like an absolute blast. Uh, the last film was good. The 20, David Gordon Green's 2018 was good. And it's a continuation of Carpenter's 78 film. What could go wrong? Halloween kills could go wrong. So yeah, I wasn't yep. a fan of that. I was horribly disappointed by that. Um, so I can see why it'd be on your list, my friend. Um, my most disappointing is going to, it's going to tug at the heartstrings of John and he may hang up, but the most disappointing film for me was a film, which I was so excited for because of the director, the premise, the cast and the trailer and the visual stylings of the trailer. I thought this is me, this, this kind of mystery thriller, horror, is me and it's last night in soho and i remember just watching the film and just waiting to get into it i thought it opened up i thought the introductory sequence was fine you know it starts off all right but then it lost me not long after that and i just couldn't recover from it and i wasn't and where it ends up i i wasn't a fan of but and it's a shame because it's anchored by some two really great performances, three great performances uh, in the film. Arnie Taylor-Joy is fabulous. So is Thomas and McKenzie, especially as well. And Matt Smith's very good too. You know, th- that They're really good. And it looks really good too. I mean, this could have been one of the best looking films of the year because they capture the vibe of London in the uh, in the 60s excellently. And, and the modern day as well. It looks great. And I love Edgar Wright films for the most part, but it just didn't. Sometimes, like John will attest to, something. Sometimes something just doesn't click for you, or after half an hour, you know, okay, I'm not. I don't think this is going to be for me. And for all of the hype and expectation that I wanted to think this could be Edgar Wright's masterpiece, for me, last night in Soho fell flat. It's one of the films that I come out came out of the cinema, drove home got on the telephone to John. I was like, right, John, let's talk about this for a few minutes. What do you, what do you think? Uh, and usually we save that for the show, but I was so disappointed. I wanted to see firstly if John, what John thought and if it, if it was just me, but it seems to be fairly divisive that some people like it, some people don't. And I'm in terms, and, and in terms of the BAMP, you are on one side and I'm on the other, but I really yep. wanted to like last night in Soho and I came out feeling so disappointed. The other one was the matrix, but last night in Soho, my friend, I was, Sadly disappointed and let down by that film. I, I, that one, I'm disappointed that people were disappointed. I did love it. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's not, I, I need to rewatch it to see if it will, as earlier when I alluded to my Edgar Wright, uh, fandom, I do love Edgar Wright. I don't think it's as good as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, especially after cooling down on it a bit, like 
in the moment I was having a blast when I started like thinking back, I'm like, well, that doesn't fully make sense. And this is a problem, but I still enjoyed <laughs> it. Like I'm still positive on it, but I don't think it's as good as his other movies. And, um, you know, uh, that said, I, I do think it's still very entertaining. Um, I, I also feel like I don't know the genre he was riffing. Uh, I, I feel like it's the Giallo quite a bit, uh, not oh, fully, but it's in there and I don't know that genre that well. So, um, but, Sometimes we expect a lot and we get less than we wanted. And other times we go in with like no expectations and we're pleasantly surprised. Uh, these are our most surprising movies. These are movies that we maybe didn't expect to, to land so hard for us. Um, Matt, what was yours? Uh, mine, before I mention mine, I want to have an honorable mention quickly. I'm going to use my honorable mention card. Uh, my kind of second most surprising film of the year was uh, Adam McKay's Don't Look Up, the Netflix film which dropped recently. I was surprised because I, I, I came to the party a week or so late, uh, again, because of when it was released around the festive period. But I'd heard so many people saying it's really, really bad. Or it's it, it's a lot of people saying it's it's a disaster, it's badly written, the acting's yeah. not great, it's a mess. I was like, mm, I, I usually vibe with Adam McKay's style. So, um, Me too. I wanted to watch it. I thought Don't Look Up was great. I thought it was really, really great. Uh, I really, really liked uh, pretty much all of it. I think it sagged a little bit in the middle um, when when Leonardo DiCaprio's character becomes famous, and I thought cut some of that. But I think it's like the the inter- the first act is bonkers good. The third act is good. The third act made me feel very heavy. Like it's, this film manages to it managed to mix that kind of humor and that kind of oddball style, Michaelis, but with some real gravitas as well. And the, how it ends, I kind of I was uh, it left me cold because I thought oh damn this could actually happen and what what the, what the film is portraying is like an allegory for something else metaphor sorry for something else but just the way the film itself ends I was like oh this that could really happen and that's it then and I was like oh man it really really felt heavy watching that um so don't look up because I I'm, it was one of my most surprising because I the world told me it was very good I loved it um but my number one my most surprising film of the year was Ilya Nashula's Nobody, the kind of John Wick riff starring Bob Odenkirk, and I've and I've said on the bat many times, content modern action films bore the hell out of me now because it's nothing new, or the new cliche is you know it's a John Wick ripoff. You can see that so many times. A lot of them are Netflix films, but most films nowadays have got seen John Wick has done well, low budget. It's fairly simple premise, done very well. The, what these other films don't have is firstly Keanu Reeves and most things that made John Wick good. So they tried to copy it. And I thought, Oh man, this action film, I'm not interested in this. Bob Odenkirk was an action star. No, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. This could be awful. I, uh, the man, nobody whipped my backside. I thought nobody was such a blast, such a good fun. The action was brilliantly done as a sequence on a bus, which was maybe only Shang-Chi had a better bus sequence this year than nobody, but it's fine. I wouldn't like to see those two have a go at each other, but Nobody was unbelievably good. Again, I hate the phrase, but I said it already. No right being this good. And I, my, everyone, my, most people I speak to and trust have said the same thing, that they had a, such a good time with it. Bob, Bob Odenkirk is so good in the role. I believe him as this kind of worn down, bitter, bitter grizzled old action hero. I genuinely believe it. Um, and it's it doesn't overstay its welcome. The musical choices work really well. It's just a film which... Uh, a bit like Cop Shop, actually, which should have, by oh. all rights, been not very good, but ended up being surprisingly really very good. And nobody 
surprised me with just how good it was, especially given my misgivings with action films recently. They got they 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 took the formula, they ran with it, they flitched a few things up, they put Bob Odenkirk in the lead, and everything worked. If you haven't seen Nobody, you are sleeping on Nobody. It is great. That was the most surprising film of the year for me, JB. Um, I also like Nobody, but a uh, movie for me, and this one might seem like a stretch, but Free Guy shouldn't have been that good. Like, Free yep. Guy should have been a, a simple comedy, middle of the road, you know, laugh a few times. I do like Ryan Reynolds, so I, I did expect to enjoy it. I didn't expect to be kind of floored by it, and not only did I find it very funny, but there's like existential thought into it. And there's a love story that was not marketed at all um, that I thought was also great. And so like I walked out of free guy kind of, I wouldn't say my mind was blown. Like it was when I saw the matrix for the first time or fight club, which, you know, I had not seen a story do what fight club did up until that moment. But I walked into free guy expecting maybe I'll laugh. Maybe I'll laugh a little bit and it'll be a good time. I did not expect to laugh and cry and enjoy myself so much and have some very memorable scenes that came out of that movie that I, again, I I like Ryan Reynolds. I've been a huge supporter of Ryan Reynolds. I probably like him too much, but I don't think he's the, the, the only highlight like Jodie Comer Mm -hmm. is so good in free guy. And, um, I, I just, I didn't expect to love that movie where for a while, I was like, how am I going to justify having free guy in my top five? Like, how can I do that? Like, so it was such a a surprising movie to me that at one point I thought it had potential and it did. It's still in my like top 20 for the year, but it didn't squeak into the top five. So I love that. I get to put it here for most surprising. Cause again, when I went in to see this movie, I had no expectation of it being as good to me as it was. Yep. Same. I've have I some I used to have a very rocky relationship with Ryan Reynolds pre Deadpool. He put in some good performances, he put a really good dramatic performance in just before Deadpool came out, but before that, I was always just a bit like mm, I'm not entirely sold on him as a not necessarily as an actor, but you know, where you know, where 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 are we going? Where is he going? What's Ryan Reynolds? What does he want to be? And then Deadpool came out and changed everything. But I thought I had for, thought Free Guy had a potential to be a bit of a throwaway uh, comedy like yourself and I was floored as well by I think I gave 8 out of 10 or maybe 8.5 or certainly that which is higher than I thought I would have given it but like you say the existential story that runs throughout Jodie Comer again shows why she's one of the best up and coming actresses in Hollywood or in film currently Ryan Reynolds is really good it's just a really clever idea I think Taika for me Taika Waititi was a step too far in terms of how OTT he went but other yeah. than that there was moments in it where you laugh you cheer. There's a couple of like fist pump moments as well in it, my friend. You recover yep. like, yes. And the, the revelation is really sweet as well when they get to it. And I mean that in, that's a, not as in our oh, sweet cool. Isn't that's really nice. That like, really well handled. Didn't, didn't see it coming. And it just ties up what should have been an otherwise decent comedy. Maybe turned it into something else, my friend. So that's a good shout. I, uh, I agree with your choice there, my man. Thank you, sir. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's okay. Bamp, we get on. Uh, right, so now we're moving into the, the business end of the show. We are now, like a mullet, we're moving from the party and we're going up front. Business. The best performances of 2021. Of course, we do have a best actor and a best actress. Uh, so, John, 
what was your favorite performance? Let's start with the actor first. What was your favorite male performance of 2021? So I, uh, there is a lot, um, but Andrew Garfield, uh, not in a movie that maybe you don't know he's in. Instead, <laughs> Andrew Garfield in Tick, Tick, Boom, the uh, dir- Lin-Manuel Miranda directed uh, musical on Netflix um, that I almost didn't even know it was existing. Uh, it like crept up on me and it was people were like, Hey, have you seen this? I'm like, I didn't know it was a thing. Um, not only do I think the movie's great, but Andrew Garfield is phenomenal in this movie. And I was uh, so quick to, when I was filling out my ballot for the CACF and also doing this, this list with you, he was an instant, he's going to the number one spot. Like I had no hesitation. Um, Andrew Garfield, best performance. Uh, Matt, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I'll add one thing to that. He's my best performer of the year as well, John. I thought, well, but the first first one we've nailed together. But yeah, Andrew Garfield, he's just phenomenal as an actor anyway. he Andrew Garfield elevates most things he's in, I do think. And also not a nice save there with your uh, film that people may not know he's in. Good save. Well done. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, his, his, firstly, his acting in Tick, Tick, Boom is top notch. But then he's, you know, then, he, then he's out there doing a little bit of dancing. He's, and then he's opening his lungs up and he's singing and not just singing. He's singing really very well as well. And he's learn sing- to sing for this role. For this. It's, it's almost, it's a bit like people like kind of like Ryan Gosling. It's like this guy, he's a handsome guy. He can act, he can sing, he can play guitar, he can dance. Now he can play piano. Andrew Garfield's the same. It's like, come on, dude, leave some talent for the rest of us. And yeah, in Tick, Tick, Boom, Andrew Garfield is revelatory. I think I've always known he's a good actor, but this is his, for me, his best performance for me in, is in Tick, Tick, Boom. And I I expect to see him get a nod at the Oscars and I wouldn't be surprised if he wins, but it has been a good year though this year for male performances. But uh, I'm very pleased to announce that we've both gone for Andrew Garfield. Um, best actress, NJB, what are you going for? Um, I uh, was so blown away by Alana Haim in Licorice Pizza. Um, she, it's her debut performance. Uh, I, I was not familiar with the band. Um, she's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Haim band, or it might be Haim. I actually don't know how to say the name. I always just called um, it Haim. Okay, uh, me too. Um, and uh, I, I like, I'd heard of them, but I never listened to them, um, which I have now because I was so blown away by her performance. Um, I've become a mega fan. I, I think she's got such charm, so much uh, natural charisma, just oozing out of her. Plus, there's comedic timing. Um, she, her performance makes elements of, of licorice pizza work that probably shouldn't work. This is a movie that's getting maybe way too much heat online. Like there's, there are some really huge swings of hatred, uh, happening within the, the community. Um, you know, some people saying you have to love this movie. Some people saying, how can you love this movie? Um, I did love this movie. I don't think you have to, I definitely think it's got some problems. Uh, I think there's, um, an element of the film that is obviously problematic. And I'm not sure if what PTA is uh, saying is clear enough to address those problems. But mm-hmm. I think Alana's performance is undeniable, uh, regardless of how you feel about the whole movie. She is tremendous and thus my best performance of the year. Well, there we have it. Um, my, I haven't seen Licorice Pizza. It came out on the 1st of January over here and I haven't had a chance to see it yet. So, uh, But I am very much looking forward to seeing that and addressing any controversy in my own way. Um, mine, again, I was stuck, my friend, up until a, a few days ago on this 
are two actresses who I couldn't separate. And I know certain people may say, what a surprise, but with who I've gone for, but I, Amelia Jones was one of the joint. Cause I think she is, I use the R word revelatory as well. I believe that might be a first major role, certainly in Coda. And she's fantastic, incredibly good in Coda. And the other one was Lady Gaga and house of Gucci. And that's who I've gone for. For the simple reason, like I mentioned in the review, that she had a, a, a presence and a magnetism on screen which worked for me. I thought she was—I thought she had a real menace to her, like a real villainous turn to her in the film. I think she's very good in the film as well, just like she was in *The Star Is Born*. Um, and also, *House of Gucci*. I know JP wasn't the biggest fan. I I upscored *House of Gucci* because I enjoyed it more than most people. But I also, on our review, said clearly isn't one of the best films of the year and it may not even be that great but i had fun with it and i think lady gaga's performance elevates a an average film which if a performance can do that i think she's done very very well in there Uh, i know she's in getting oscar talk as well alongside a lot of people this year is has got we we think that the best actress act best actress is i think the the category this year which is going to be the most hotly um debated and most hotly uh contested as well because just picking a final five may end up being tough there's lots there's a few actresses who uh who we haven't mentioned who other people would probably put a lot of people would choose christian stewart for spencer yep. a lot would put a lot a lot would pick olivia coleman for the last daughter for example um others would pick Haim, others would pick gaga it's a it's a stacked uh, cast this year but i've gone for lady gaga because i thought her performance was very good acting alongside some greats like adam driver and jeremy irons not jared leto i thought she elevated what could have been an otherwise pretty bad film um and i i thought she played the pantomime villain or the villain exceedingly well so uh gaga my friend i was gaga for gaga which is a pun nobody's ever said before <laughs> i'm sure it never uttered before um (laughs) i don't i don't disagree with i think her performance is good i would have put stewart over her um but again i put alana over stewart so you know um so before we get into pictures we like to talk about the the men or women who get to make them unfortunately more often men um but Mm. we're talking best director and i said that and both of ours are men uh apologies uh jane campion um, <laughs> who I think is the forerunner for female directors this year. If, if, yes, a, nod, if a nod is going to go that way. Um, Matt, who is your best director of uh, 2021? Uh, my best directors to be uh, just to flip on that. The 2020 Bampies were the best directors were actually both women for us last year. So um, there you go. We've kind of, we've kind of flipped it this time, but uh, the best director of the year for me in 2021 was Paul Schrader or Paul Schrader who directed the card counter this year, a film, which I thought was magnificent. Uh, I also thought first reform, which was his last film was the best film of that year. And I think yeah. he directed the hell out of that. And I generally think, and I, I thought he directed the absolute pants off of the card counter. For me, it was gripping. Uh, it was exciting. It was exciting. It was compelling. And, it, a lot of that was down to Paul Schrader. Of course, he writes a lot of his films as well. But his style now, the work works for me. The way he uh, interwove the the different stories and subtext was excellent. I think the way he directed the cast was uh, extremely well. And the way that the story unfolded under his tutelage and guise as well, I think was 
expertly done. Uh, I think Paul, for me anyway, because Paul Schrader went through a, uh, let's just call it a lean period, uh, kind of rest. I wouldn't say he was necessarily dining off his earlier successes of the taxi driver and stuff like that, but uh, writing successes. But I think in recent years, he's coming to the fore now as a very, very, very seriously good director. So um, the film's minor always, but I mean, first reform was extremely well received. I think the card counter just slightly less so, but I think it was still for the most part, most people seem to enjoy it or like it at least. Uh, but I think I generally think his style works for me. And I think he directed every ounce of sweat out of that film for me. So, uh, and uh, I think, I don't know if we disagree on this or not, but I think he got a good performance out of Tiffany Haddish in a dramatic role as well. Ty Sheridan too, uh, coming, coming off some bigger films to star in it. I think he's very good. So Paul Schrader for me, my friend was the best director of 2021. Uh, who did you go for my man? I went with a, a favorite of mine, um, and not Edgar Wright, uh, despite referencing him twice already, um, but David Lowry uh, for The Green Knight. Um, I don't know if there's a more singular visioned movie that came out last year. Yeah, I think it, Lowry's voice and his take is, is so present, so uh, just there. And I have followed his career at this point. I am a fan. Um, I like what he's doing. And, um, I'd been highly anticipating Green Knight. We had to wait a whole year, uh, like last night in Soho. Um, and I, I could have easily have gone like PTA on this. Cause I also think he has a very singular vision with, with licorice pizza. And I think Schrader is a good choice. I think, uh, the card counter, if you've seen his other work is very much in line with him and that, that stands out. Yep. Um, but Lowry, uh, his style really speaks to me. And I, I think Green Knight is just so well-directed. Um, and well-structured and he also is the writer and editor on that movie so like yes it's it's his baby and uh you, you feel that i think when you watch it and um for me that just you know it, it stood out when i was thinking directors uh I, I just was like man he did it's so much his work and i think that's what deserves the win uh it's a tough one because they i had three choices Schrader, david larry or denis villeneuve um and, yep. then, and then i knocked it down to paul Schrader and david larry for the kind of for the reasons that you said because david larry is an ex- has an extremely uh distinct style to his films um i think and mm-hmm. like in recent recent years we've had a ghost story we had the old man and the gun which was great um, oh, yeah. again slept upon as well and yep. the green knight is i think as well for a no, I say bigger budget. It's not a blockbuster, but it's a decent budget. It's, it's the Green Knight is one of those films that comes out, and you almost kind of think, "How how is this getting released?" Because it's just it's it's such a, a, a distinct film. It's such a singular vision, as you say, for a film to get a wider release. It shouldn't do a film like that, but it did, and it succeeded. And David Lowry absolutely directed the hell out of that film as well, and. He's one of the directors. I think we've spoken about him before, maybe on the Green Knight review episode. Where, no, we don't. I don't. I think we don't. We don't think he's put a foot wrong in any of his films. I think. I think all of his films are very good, at least. Yep, that's that's where I'm at um, okay. for sure. So, folks, that leads us to our last big award, which is our top five movies of 2021, and that is five for me and five for Matt. There might be some overlap here, um, <laughs> but we are going to go from five to one. So uh, num- our number one movie of the year will be the last thing we say. Um, I think we'll start with Matt and then we'll go me back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. 
Matt. Here we go. For what is your weight, number five movie of 2021? The weight of expectation on my shoulders for people to say, what? What are those films doing in that order or in that list? My number five film of 2021, my friend, did Heart Rural Head, partly, but also this film scored highly for me because I do think it is one of the only films, it's the only film I went back to see multiple times at theatres. John, Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters Afterlife takes the number five spot for 2021 because I think it was a, I think it was a really well delivered for really well structured film. I think the way that they had a very deliberately slow pacing, they're setting up this new world. They're introducing the characters. They know what we want and we get it, but they make sure that we care about these, this new core of characters or certainly uh, the, the, the main two anyway from it. We get, yeah. And, and as a Ghostbusters fan, I got everything I could have wanted out of that film call it fate call it luck call it karma call it fan service call it what you want i call it i call it somebody like me somebody like you i imagine too went to the cinema as a fan i got those references i ate them all up i I can see why people thought they're heavy heavy handed but it's a film if it's a film there to entertain the fans as well i was in my friend i was entertained it was um it was more emotional than i ever thought it would be uh, I thought the uh, the acting was really good. McKenna Grace is fabulous. I think Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd are really good as well. I think everyone's very good. And Logan Kimmer's podcast surprised me because in his first ever role, and yeah, I think he held his own there. And then we get to certain moments in the film where my friend, every time I watched it, the the waterworks came on. There's a few moments where I cheered, especially the first time. Whooped yes when something happened. Right at the end there, my, where something happened, I was like, yes, this is it. You know, I've been waiting for this. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I, I enjoyed the film. I was entertained. I laughed. I cried. I got the feels. What, what This is cinema. You know what I mean? It's, it's one way of putting it. This is what I want from films. I didn't think I'd get it from Ghostbusters Afterlife. Not because I didn't. I'm a big Ghostbusters fan. I love Ghostbusters. But I didn't think I'd get all of those feels in this film. But I did. Number five of the year for me, my friend. Ghostbusters well, Afterlife. What, what, what about you? Well, it's a really controversial pick of yours, Matt, because so many people uh, did not enjoy Ghostbusters Afterlife, mm. especially in the critical community. True. But I'm with you, and it, it's also my number five movie of 2021, <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, for all the things you just said, I, I had I had a lot of expectations of it. We had to wait, again, like many of the movies up from this year. We had been waiting for an extra year because it was supposed to come out before. Um, yeah. I was, I was really nervous they were going to postpone it because uh, – they started postponing like Top Gun got postponed and Jackass um, four, whatever they're calling that one got postponed. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, Oh no, are we going to see a, a bunch of movies get pushed back because of COVID? Um, and it did get pushed back, but just a week it took the Top Gun spot um, that had been vacated. And I saw this twice in theaters uh, like yourself. Um, I, I cried both times. Uh, I, I don't want to just repeat everything you said, so I'm not going to, but um you know, it's it's easy for, I think, film critics, uh, or even if we are self-professed film critics, to not want to use a blockbuster in our top five movie spot. Because we watch a lot of indie films. We, we went to some film festivals virtually this past year. And we like to give those movies a shot. No one needs to hear ghosty Ghostbusters from us. But man, when a movie speaks to you, into your inner child, into your, your soul of who you are, how can you leave it off of a list like this? Um it, it, w- it is a movie that just hit everything I needed it to. And then some, 
And again, it, it is like Ghostbusters is a major part of who I am as a film person mm-hmm. because I saw right. the first one in the theater when I was two years old. It was the first time I ever went to the theater and it, it set my love of movie going forever. And Afterlife delivered in a way that I needed it to, um, that I will never forget. I can't wait to own my own copy of it. Uh, I, there's so many box sets coming out Dude. that are so tempting. Cause they're like these Ultimate big sets with come, come on, but I, I'm like, I have to be reasonable. I will, I will get the 4k Blu-ray and if there's a steel book, I'll, I'll spring for the extra five bucks for the steel book. But, um, I, I don't think I can afford to buy one of those box sets, especially cause I already own the other movies several times now, you know, uh, I, I don't need another copy of Ghostbusters one currently, but I do need Ghostbusters Afterlife in my collection. So, uh, both of us, number five. Um, yep. I think what, I think also there's a lot of pretense sometimes in the film critic community to yep. want to put the most obscure films in the top five to to really show everyone that yeah, I know film and I saw films that you didn't see and you know this is real cinema, but. You're, so you have to a real. I know this is going to sound awful, but to me, a real critic judges by heart and head, not just you know what yeah. they think the world might want them to say. Ghostbusters Afterlife, my friend, is deserving for our top five. Indeed. What is your number four, Matt? My number four is a film which, for a little while, was actually number one before mm-hmm. uh, when it mm-hmm. came out, and it is a film we've mentioned, David Lowry's The Green night this film blew me away when i watched it for the for the fd reason fever dream i watched it and i was in a trance watching this film uh, i wasn't sure what to expect i think that, i thought the trailers looked really good it's an a24 film it's david larry you've got the wonderful dev patel in the lead it's like where we what, what what can i expect from this film what i got was nothing like i expected this kind of ponderous uh f- film that we got which you know I think a few people thought there's going to be more action. By action, I mean kind of like dueling and fighting yeah. and sword play. Yep. But we didn't get that. Instead, no, we got this follows Dev Patel's character throughout an entire year, basically, and the journey he goes on and the the, the mess lessons he learns along the way, and more so to to that. The visual style was good. I think the score is really decent as well. Minimal. I think the score is great here. The production design and costume design of this film is absolutely out of this world as well Dev Patel Dev Patel was almost up there for the best actor for me because I think Dev Patel yeah. was incredible so in this. he's so good in most things I think most people who've seen his films would agree that he is great in anything but The Green Knight for me uh, is a is incredible was an incredible cinematic experience rewatchability we'll see we'll see how, how rewatchable this film is however on first view and it blew me away and if, if I can come out feeling like I've, I've experienced something Again, that that goes an awful long way for me, and the fact that the film was damn good on top of it. Number four for me, JB, The Green Knight. What about you? Surprisingly, it didn't make my list, um, but Mm -hmm. I I love that it's on yours. And again, that's why I think one of the reasons I I pushed uh, Lowry up, because I I just... I love the movie, but it, it's not in my top five. It didn't resonate enough to stay up there. It's still like in one of my highest ranked movies of 2021. But my number four is one of these small little indie films that most people probably haven't heard of. I know we were just making fun of critics, but it's a uh, Spider-Man no way home. I think is how it said. Um, wow. Folks. I love the MCU. There's no, if you've listened to the show, you know that I am a, a very often a big fan of it. Um, I also could have put Shang-Chi up here. I loved Shang-Chi so much. Mm-hmm. I had no idea I was going to love that movie, but Spider-Man 
is one of my favorite comic characters. Uh, he's up there with Batman. And I, I, I loved homecoming. I've been a huge supporter of homecoming. It's been one of my highest ranked MCU films. I was a bigger supporter of far from home than most people. <laughs> yes. And I was also, I think the biggest detractor for what no way home might be doing. There was a lot that's of rumors true. circulating and I was like constantly like, God, I hope that's not what they're doing. I hope that's not what they're doing. And I won't say what they did, but I will say everything that they did ended up working for me so much that I, I not only did I see it again, two nights after seeing it the first time at a critic screening, I went again, two nights later, stayed up way too late to see it with a friend. But then I went back for a third viewing with my wife and daughter who also loved it. Um, it is the only movie I saw three times last year. Uh, I saw all three in the theater. Um, I only paid twice because the other was a critic screening, but nevertheless, and each time, and it, honestly, Matt, when I went to the third time, I didn't, I was like, man, I don't really feel like watching it a third time. Five minutes into the movie, I was uh, so hooked. I didn't, <laughs> I had no, no, no qualms about being there. Um, so it was easy to put this in my top five because I had a blast at every viewing. Um, I love seeing it with a huge crowd on the opening night. Um, the reactions that it got. And I already knew what was going to happen because I'd seen it two nights before, but you know, seeing all the people react, it was great. Um, I had so many conversations and yet as much as I, I've seen spoilers online, it still feels like there's a lot of people who haven't got to see it yet. And people are being respectful in person. Like in my classroom, mm-hmm. um, a lot, half of my students have seen it, half haven't. And we have not had a single spoiler happen in my room nice. out of respect. Um, I'm sure some of them have had it spoiled because of, the internet, but my students have not been spoiled by each other um, or me. So uh, that is the best teacher out there. My free app. Oh, all the reasons as well, mate. No, no way home. I, I wasn't as much of, I I don't mind homecoming far from home. I wasn't a fan of no way home though. I was on the opposite. I was like, if if everything they do comes off, I'm going to love this film, but I hope they don't. It's hope it's not at the expense of story, which, but it wasn't. That's another film where I cheered and I clapped during it surprisingly emotional as well watching it at the packed house that is sorry martin scorsese that is what cinema is about as well if you can yeah. elicit that kind of reaction from someone doesn't matter if they're wearing spandex or their um or their gangsters or whatever you want it to be that that that's cinema and i'm glad to, i'm glad to see it. it didn't make my top five but i'm glad to see it in yours my friend because it was a blast watching it well matt what was your number three then Oh, my number three. Now, all right, no, one, two, three was tough. Genuinely was. Uh, my number three was the film I've mentioned before, and it's Coda. I, Coda came out of nowhere. I love coming of age stories. I genuinely, when 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 I know a film is a coming of age story, I go in excited because I don't care if I know what's going to happen. I love it. I, I, it's it's more about the the journey than the destination at times. However, Coda, the journey and the destination are just as powerful and satisfying for all the reasons I mentioned. Um, when I mentioned when I was speaking about the, it being the most feel-good film of the year, I just think it's a wonderfully packaged film. I think the messages within it are great. What it does for the community are great. The performances are stellar. Um, I expect to see. Uh, well, I hope to see some Academy buzz for this film when it when it happens. I think the songs they use are well uh, plucked. They use it. They 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 they've picked the right songs to play. The ending was powerful. How many more superlatives and statements can I say about how much I loved this film? If you haven't seen Coda, guys, Apple TV Plus. See if you can get a free trial. Otherwise, five bucks. It's worth it just to watch Coda. It came out of nowhere, and damn, 
even now thinking about it, it's making me smile at the end. So Coda was my third favourite film of the year in a top three, which was very hard to separate, man. Yeah, the the top five is it's always hard because even like what do you leave out? Because there's so many movies that I thought were great this year. Um, my number three is an international film, Drive My Car. Ah. Um, I I watched this movie on a Sunday morning very early. Like I think I woke up at like six a.m. and was like, I'm going to watch Drive My Car. Um, made a cup of coffee. Uh, at an hour in, I made a second cup of coffee. At two hours in, I made a third cup of coffee um, <laughs> and just really immersed myself in the film. Sometimes like a Sunday morning viewing with coffee for a movie that's like this, very contemplative, a lot of uh, character work, and it was just the right atmosphere to watch it. Um, I, I was so floored by it. And um, not only is it my best international film, but it was easy to put up there. The performances are tremendous. The relationships are great the story, uh, the subtext, there's some, some crazy things that happened early in the film too, that I was like, like jarred and was just like, what? Um, it's, it's so good. Uh, I can't stress enough how compelling it is. I I don't know. It it won't work for everybody, but, um, I will say, uh, two things about it is every time I say the name, I think of a Beatles song and then, um, I had gone into the movie thinking it was going to be like a three hour movie of two people in a car the whole time. And it's not that it, there are like scene changes, time passes. Like it's not a, uh, a I thought it was just be like a road trip movie. Yeah, yeah. It is not that at all. Um, not to say there's no road trip element, but it's more than that. And, um, it's just a movie that has stayed with me. So drive my car is my number three. God damn you to head on back. I need to watch this film. I don't know. So, um, right. When I watch it, I will immediately review it on the BAMP, but I'm, you, you've now given me, potentially impossible expectations now my friend so oh uh, no i know it's so bad so uh, the bronze medal went to coda for me drive my car for john and we're into the silver medal position now number two for me again unsurprisingly it's a film i've already mentioned and gone into why i think paul schrader was the best director of the year and it's the card counter this could have easily been number one for me because i was again i know it's a film which has split people uh, divide not massively but there's a bit of division a lot of it is because of sure. the political subtext within this film if yep. you are for something or against something that will probably or will definitely temper your view on this film but i think the card counter was like scintillatingly good like there's this there's just a fury bubbling away underneath the very restrained performances but the very excellent performances oscar isaac leads this film and shows again why he's a fantastic actor in Hollywood. He can do all the Star Wars, do all the Dunes, all of the X-Men films and that, but give him something like the card counter. Of course, go going way back to Inside Lewin Davis, um, something like yeah. Ex Machina as well. Give him that and just let him just let him play because he is fabulous. He's great in this. Um, Tiffany Haddish is good. I mentioned the actors are good. I just think it's a really compelling story set against a very mundane background. It's called the card counter. There is some card counting in it and it's set in some kind of like, you know, fairly bland looking, um, establishments, which is all part of the, the filmmaking process. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why this isn't set in the high stakes casinos in Vegas It's set why, where it is. And every decision worked for me and my friend, this could have very easily been the best film of the year for me, which would have been a one, two for Schrader because first reform was my favorite film of 2017 but it has to settle for number two, despite the fact that I love this film. So the card counter 
It's my number two, John. What's your silver medal position? Well, on Christmas Eve, I drove uh, an hour to see this movie, and it was worth it. It was a great gift. Uh, Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson's nice. newest film. Um, I already mentioned with Alana Haim being such a big part of it, but also uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, whose name I'm not going to remember um, yet. I know we will, because he's also terrific. Uh, you get this duo cast, um, two debut performances at that, um, and it's there's there's so much chemistry between them. That's part of the problem of the movie um, because Cooper Hoffman, uh, his character is um, 15 and Alana's character is 25. And Mm -hmm. there is a romance of sorts that is happening, but the movie is, is struggling with that. I think that's where a lot of the debate is coming in is uh, how are we supposed to feel about it? Is it really romantic or not? And I've heard a lot of different interpretations. I, I think that's one of the things that make it such a great movie is that it isn't really clear. It does fall a lot into the audience to kind of make some decisions about what the movie's doing, what it's saying. And again, there's just these undeniable performances, very cool set pieces, um, some odd uh, vignette type moments um, with some other big actors in it. There's Sean Penn is in it for a little bit. Bradley Cooper gives a tremendous uh, performance in, in this very small role, but man, is he memorable. Um, Benny Safty, who's n- usually thought of as a director first, mm-hmm. but he is in good time that he co-directed with his brother. Um, but he's in a, in a role here. Um, just a tremendously excellent film. Uh, such a good watch. And part of the reason I think this movie is so controversial is because you do get so wrapped up in the story that it's hard not to be kind of like, maybe upset about it. Like you're like, wait, I don't want to be rooting for these two people, but they're so charming and charismatic that it's hard not to kind of see what's going on. Um, and then, uh, for me, something I, I, I do a lot is I often try to think of like, why is this movie called this? Yeah. And there's no moment in the film where like they order licorice pizza or they're like, yeah, man, you know how licorice pizza goes. And, my whole way home, I was like trying to figure out like, what, what does licorice pizza mean? And I came up with all these different ideas, which I don't want to get into too much, but um, Alana's character is 25, but she seems kind of uncertain about her future, like what to do, how to like, what, what should she pursue? What's worth her time mm-hmm. that I thought maybe like licorice pizza was just like something a kid might say they really want, you know, like a young child, like, what do you yeah, want yeah. for dinner? I want licorice pizza. But as an adult, you would realize how, how horrible of an idea that is. Yep. And I thought maybe that's what the movie was tackling is that you have this 15 year old who's got this grand vision of the world in front of him. And then a 25, who's a little more nihilistic and, and seeming desperate. And that's what licorice pizza was. And I, I, I thought about this so long and hard. And then uh, I found out that licorice pizza slang for vinyl records. Uh, I had to Google it and I did Google it and I found that out as well. And I found it really interesting because the more I think about it, it does look like a big old licorice wheel, licorice pizza. Yeah. I I was just, I was like, I think my idea is better, but I I guess it's also a slang for a record. So, you know, there you go. Um, but I love this movie. I, I really, um, you know, I, I'm a PTA fan. I don't love all of them, um, Mm -hmm. with such a, such regard, but this was one of my favorites. Um, Again, a, a huge part because Alana Haim just blew me away with her performance. I thought she was tremendous. I'm liking you less and less as this show's going on because drive my car, I want to see licorice pizza. I want to see partly also because of the, uh, I can't call it controversy because I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it surrounding and how people are interpret it and how it's 
blinkering or hopefully maybe enhancing their view of the film. I don't know, but um, I'm look, I cannot wait to see it just to see the performance from Hoffman and Haim who uh, blew me away in the trailers, let alone the film. So silver medal is done, John. Shall we get into the gold medal positions? Our favorite films of 2021. Yes, sir. Let's do it. I'm having a deep breath now. My number one film of the year, John, 2021. Yes, I've mentioned it on the show before. Uh, it's a film where, where throughout the year I was anticipating it because I think the cast is fantastic. I think the director is fantastic. Uh, I, I haven't read the source material that it's adapted from, but I know of it. I've seen an original film before. And I, but I went in not expecting to think this was the best film of the year. I wanted it to be really good. It had all the potential to be a an epic film, uh, and I mean that in every sense of the word. Every chance to be this big, grand, sweeping epic on the scale of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, if they get it right in part one, that gives it away. My number one film of the year is Dune, and I did not expect it. I expected this to be top ten, top fifteen. I thought it had the potential. Uh, honestly, dude, I was blown away. I don't think this film is too slow. I don't think it should be criticised because it's only telling the first part of a story. As if film critics and fans have suddenly forgotten what trilogies and duology and, 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 and double film sequels are and pl- things that are planned ahead. You know what I mean? You don't I'm yeah. going to criticise Fellowship of the Ring. Well, hold on, that's, they didn't deliver the ring to Mordor. Well, this film's awful. No, it is, this film has a, has a distinct uh, <coughs> beginning, middle and an end. Yes, it sets up the second film, but, that, but it, it's called part, it says at the beginning, part one. Yeah. I think Dune is a damn, in, in, in terms of the genre, it's a masterpiece of the genre. I genuinely think it's a masterpiece of the genre. I found nothing to complain about watching this film. I found nothing to nitpick, not the pacing, which I was worried, going to worry going in, not the performances, not the, uh, not the ability to be able to make sure everybody feels like they're playing a part. Do some members of the cast get more to do? Yes, because it's a two part story, potentially three parts, certainly two part story, but the, but nobody feels pushed aside. I didn't ever feel like Denis Villeneuve was, kind of pushing this mythology and lore onto me without explaining it. They do explain it, but it's not spoon fed. It's, it's exposition heavy at times, but it, to me it's done in the right way. It's done in a way that, you know, sit down, pay attention and you'll find out what's going on. You don't, well, you don't pay attention. You're going to miss what's happening. Um, and yes, maybe that's me being the pretentious film guy, but if you pay attention, you know what's happening. It's, there's a lot of jargon going on, but that is the source material as well. You know, Denis Villeneuve has, barely taken this and kind of uh, to use a uh, for want of a better term he hasn't dumbed anything down here this is a heavy sci-fi film in most aspects of the phrase and it works I love heavy sci-fi but I thought this film had the potential to be boring if I'm going to be telling the truth but yeah, this film blew me away I, It was it's the experience I've used before the word experience the experience I had when I watched this I've, it's been a long time, it's been a while since I was so in watching something that I wasn't over. Oh yeah. I've seen the um, Lynch version, but this is an entirely different beast. I was totally in. I think every single aspect of this film works. Denis Villeneuve coming off the masterpiece of the genre. That's Blade Runner 2049 as well. Um, yeah. delivers this. I cannot wait for part two. Uh, I hope, to, I hope it's handled with as much care, love, passion and, 
uh, uninterference from the studio as this one clearly was. And we, I mentioned it with the Green Knight. Dune is one as a film in that similar vein where it's a big budget film, but to see it doing so well at the box office and critically is brings joy to my heart because it isn't your uh, isn't the kind of standard template blockbuster. It's a big budget film, but it goes its own direction. It it drags itself along, and it is a masterpiece of the genre. Denis Villeneuve done it again. There's not much that man can't do. I don't think. I cannot wait for part two, and it just blew me away. It just blew me away visually, sonically. The Hans Zimmer score is great. The acting, production again, costume design superb. Every aspect of this, I think this film is going to do very well. Uh, when the uh, when the Golden Oscars come in, when the Oscars start, I think this film's going to do well. I don't know how. I don't know whether it will pick up any of the the big awards. I don't know. I think it's going to get nommed, but yeah. I think it's going to sweep up a lot of the below the line, below the level awards, my friend. So, Dune for me, it was the best film of the year. Not by an awful lot because Card Counter and Coda any other day will take it, but Dune was an experience which just which which got me, my friend. Number one for me, John. What is your number one film of the year? I've been kind of quiet on this, but Coda is my number one movie of yes. the year. Um, I I love movies. Uh, one, that a person who doesn't really know, they seem aimless, they don't know what direction they want to go, mm-hmm. finds their passion. And if it that passion is music, it often works for me. Um, Amelia Jones is so great in this movie. Uh, when she signs up for the choir... Um, without any experience and then like her overcoming her fear. And then you get Eugenio Derbez as the teacher. I love movies where a teacher is um, the mentor figure because I, you know, I do want to put myself in that position. I don't know if I'm always successful, but I I hope to inspire my students. I hope to inspire people. That's part of, I think being a teacher, you do hope that you're having a positive influence on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And then I, I, for Dia Walsh Pilo, man, uh, I love Sing Street, on, and I Sing haven't Street, seen yeah. this kid, and here he is. I'm like, oh great, and he's super charming in this, and I was excited to see him because I love when I I, uh, I latch onto an actor early. I want to see them succeed, and I, I was excited to see him still acting because I wasn't sure because um, Carney's kind of mo is that he looked for non actors for Sing Street, um, so I wasn't sure if that was something for Dia just did the one time or if he was going to continue and. Looks like it might be a path. And again, he's tied to music here. Mm-hmm. Another thing I really love. Um, I thought the family dynamic was excellent. There's so much good in this movie. It's a, a sheer joy. I, I thought there's so many funny scenes too. Cause that's the thing. It, it is an inspirational movie and there's, there's some, there's some melodrama to a degree. Maybe melodrama is too far, but there's some, some dramatic moments that almost feel like a little too movie. Of course. Yeah but they're so grounded with everything else. And then you totally get the family drama, but the, the, the moments of humor, there are some hilarious scenes in this mm-hmm. film, especially for like the awkward coming of age story type moments where you're like, Ooh, that's rough. Um, and I just, I had, I had such a good time watching this. I, I don't think I lost anything like throughout the film. Um, I was just like sucked in this. Is, I didn't know what I knew. It was a children of death adults. I didn't know what the actual story was around that um, with Ruby being Amelia Jones's uh, character. Just, I didn't know what her story was going to be in this movie. And I was really right. into that. So absolutely love this film um, directed by, uh, ooh, Sean Hedda. 
is it Sean? See, I would have gone yeah. Cyan or Cian. Um, Sean. Sean. Yeah. Sean, yeah. Yeah. Um, just what a great uh, job with this film. I think this was her. Oh, she also did Tallulah, which I've mm-hmm. been meaning to watch because it's uh, Elliot Page and um, Allison Janney, who I'm most, almost always a fan of. Uh, I've yeah. not made it to that film, but I've heard mixed things on that one. But it's on, it's on a list of many, many movies that I plan to watch at some point. Sean Heather could have also snuck into the best director list this year as well because Coda yep. is excellently realised and man everything you've said is everything you've said is true there there's just something about the film which just it, it, all the boxes get ticks and like I say the duality of the name as well is clever Coda very clever use of the name and both of us have gone for a four letter uh, film Dune Coda I guess there's something to be said there but um, I guess not all four letter words are bad. It, there we go. See, John has summed it up perfectly. Coda is a fantastic choice. And I want to imagine, I want to believe I'm right in saying that at the beginning of 2021, I hardly doubt, I mean, I hadn't heard of Coda. I don't know if you had, but I can't imagine you thinking it's going to be top of your list. Uh, I know. Um, I'd waited a long time to finally get to it. I'd been waiting for Apple TV plus. Um, mm-hmm. I happened to get a free trial for like three months or something. Nice. Um, and uh, I'd been waiting, waiting, waiting. I finally was like, yeah, tonight's the night. And I was so, so enamored when I did. I was like, yep, this was the movie. Um, I, I think it, had I known that music played such a big part of it, it might have been high on my expectation list. But because I didn't know that, I was just like, well, I've heard decent things. I, I don't know much about it. I'm sure it's going to be good. I didn't know I was going to love it as much as I did. I remember I remember saying to you, I'd seen this film called Coda, and I think it's great. I think you'll like it. But I, what I didn't say was, yeah, I never, I didn't mention the musical aspect of it. So, John, I'll do better next time. And I believe, if I remember correctly, Sound of Metal was my number one movie last year. Yes, it which was. Which also had to do with music and uh, deafness. So, weird coincidence, back to back, that those movies Damn. Um, are my number ones. But Because uh, they're not true. the same vibe at all, right? Like, oh, Sound of Metal is a very not. daunting like experience where code is mostly heartfelt and warm and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, sound of metal it's is like lovely. almost the opposite, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I found fantastic both lead performances. Yes. Uh, and just so, so compelling. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I loved, I love Coda. Um, if you haven't seen any of our movies, folks, check them out. Most of them are now available for streaming. Not all. Um, some will be soon. Licorice Pizza is getting a wider release and with Oscar noms coming up, good chance a PTA movie is going to get some Oscar love and we'll get a wider distribution like Phantom Thread did a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it for this episode. That's it for the 2021 Bampies. Those are our awards. Man. Um, 2022 we'll be doing it again before you know it if, if this is like last year it's going to fly by and we'll be giving our 2022 awards soon but um i can take the tuxedo off now my friend yes congratulations uh, to all the winners of the coveted bampies and yes John, i think i agree with generally most of your choices yeah i have no big objections to any of yours either matt this is why we get along so so well Fantastic. um which uh you mentioned next year's awards that leads us to next week's episode. We're going to be back with our first review of 2022. Um, the first real big theatrical release of 2022 is scream the fifth movie in the franchise. Um, just called scream though. It's not called scream five. No, no, this is the legacy sequel that we are seeing. I'm assuming they have to be riffing on the legacy sequel, um, which is the last time we got a scream movie. They were riffing on the reboot trend. Um, 
And so the fact that this one's just called Scream, I'm thinking we're getting the Legacy sequel mocking. And after Halloween Kills, maybe we need some mockery of the Legacy sequel. It's getting a little out of hand. We just need a decent Legacy sequel following Halloween Kills. <laughs> yeah, so we're hopeful. Um, the, the reviews coming out right now seem pretty positive. Seem very good. So I'm hopeful. Uh, we're going to be checking it out. And we'll be back to give our review next week. Um, but in the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on our awards, your thoughts on any movies that you've seen recently, things that we should watch. So you can reach out to us on social media at Instagram. We are on bloody awesome movie pod. And on Twitter, we are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And we're still on the old Facebook. So if you search bloody awesome movie podcast, you can find us there. Um, individually, you can find me at BurkeReviews.com and at Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms. Matt? Uh, whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and to search what I watch tonight and all the socials including Letterboxd. And if you will take just a minute to give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast provider you're listening to, especially Spotify just added the rating system. Yes. So if you will give us that nod, it helps other listeners find the show so that they hear uh, the wondrous voice of Matt. Um, <laughs> and yourself, sir. Uh, well, not this week, but maybe next week my voice will be back to normal. Not that it's good in the other sense, I guess, either. But, you know, I do what I got. With that, though, folks, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 